Well, hey, Harry. Hey, Maddie. I'm still eating. Looks like you've got some cake there. <laughs> it's uh, Keith brought over the treats for the episode today, and we couldn't wait. <laughs> Are we rolling? So she brought over the treats for our guest, Sarah Goodyear, but also brought over a little extra cake for us. So thank you, Keith. It is so good. You can check out Keith's treats and uh, what she has going on on her Facebook page. It's me, Keith. Welcome to Just Over the Fence. Yay! Backyard conversations with our friends, a chance to get to know our friends and just... um, Who they are and why they are who they are. Yeah. Uh, And why they make the world a better place. Boy, and they do, don't they? I certainly do. You know, after the last episode, we had a good talk with a friend of ours, a radio friend, Chris Thomas. He's now out in Ohio. Yes. And you know what Chris does today? He is a voiceover artist and uh, production. He does production for radio stations, television. He is flipping awesome. He is. Isn't he? he? And he's the godfather. He and his beautiful wife, Michaela, are the godparents of our youngest. And he's, he sent and over a little surprise. Oh, go ahead. Oh, are you, do you have something there that you're going to put your thumb on in a minute? Um, this Hang might, on. This might be a new segment on Just Over the Fence. What? Hang Ready? on. But we are the proud godparents of their daughter, Luella, too. Okay, now what do you have there under your finger? And now... It's time for Hey Harry. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Hey Harry, have you ever bowled a perfect game? Yes. You have? No. I didn't think so. (laughs) This is totally taking me off guard. (laughs) Good. Chris put this together. It's supposed to be a surprise because I'm very surprised here. It was absolutely supposed to. You didn't know about it, did you? (laughs) Am I supposed to act surprised because I'm like, I can't help it. (laughs) People, you are hearing it as it happens. The sound of Harry in a state of total shock. Yeah. There you go. Wow. I have, no, I have never, I was so in shock that I said yes, but you know what? That's probably my competitive edge too, coming out just to say yes. We met in Sioux City. At Lewis Bowl and Sports Bar. It was Chris's birthday party. It was. You had organized it. Yes. And uh, he had given you a list of some friends that you didn't know, but from his past, because Chris and I had worked together at the radio station uh, before you worked there. And so you called to invite me to this party. And uh, I I actually called Matt Emerson, not Matt Wiesner. Yeah, that's back when I thought I needed a radio (laughs) name, right? Matt Emerson. So I show up at this uh, birthday party and it was great. Great chance to celebrate Chris. But then there was, there was Teresa. <laughs> and uh, I couldn't believe you were talking to me. Hmm. You mean Harry? AKA Harry. I didn't know that. I didn't know your nickname was Harry yet at that point. No, you didn't. But we did end up bowling that night. We did. And I thought you were a pretty good bowler. Not bad. I don't think you <laughs> Thank had a, you. I'm not sure you rolled a perfect game that night. No, but, no. But I. You rolled yourself right into my life. Should <laughs> we say that? Okay. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that, that was, that was shocking. Thank you, dear friend, Chris. Chris, and it sounded like the whole family's in there. Oh my gosh. I know. Those yeah. two kids, Henry, Luella, Michaela. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, Chris's voice might sound familiar. He's, his voice is heard all over the world on radio and TV. 
Absolutely. Uh, commercials and radio imaging and uh, thank yeah. you Chris I think I think it's a hit I think it's a hit although now I I feel compelled to go out and bowl a perfect game so there's that competitive streak I'll, in you I'll be heading to the lanes later tonight okay I'll go with you <laughs> okay. if you want because <laughs> you want to you want to document this moment in time when I bowl the perfect game and then we can save that footage because i said yes yeah yeah we have the perfect guest on today's just over the fence yes we do speaking of good friends yes sarah goodyear has been really important in your life and in our lives she's an artist who is also an art encourager she uses art to get inside people's hearts to encourage as we're going to talk about here in just a moment we're going to ask about a moment that you had on a very random, routine walk. The type of walk we take all the time. But she put a little frame around a moment. Sarah's gift is hard to describe because it's so vast and yet so intimate at the same time. Mm -hmm. But she has this incredible knowledge of arts in all forms. And she can take a moment in time and bring very quickly five mediums to life right. in the atmosphere, in the room. And that's what she did on the walk. And you'll hear a little bit about that. We'll talk about it. We'll ask her about it, actually. Sarah Goodyear today, just over the fence. We were walking by a pond on a hike, and it reminded you of Frederick Beekner. And within it... I'll never forget one of the lines was that an artist takes a moment in time and puts a frame around it. Right. Well, artists like to share. They don't, they see something and then they want to capture it and they just want to share it. They don't want to keep it to themselves. I loved it when you described this moment of walking and the Frederick Beekner. That's a great representation of hanging with you. I would much rather not talk about the Beekner paragraph, but read the haiku and then his paragraph, because that says it all, what art does. What I realized is a very mundane moment in both of your lives became something that we won't forget. Well, and it brings in poetry, a description about what art is, God, and nature. An old, silent pond. Into the pond, a frog jumps. Splash. Silence again. It is perhaps the best known of all Japanese haiku. No subject could be more humdrum. No language could be more pedestrian. Basho, the poet, makes no comment on what he is describing. He implies no meaning, message, or metaphor. He simply invites our attention to no more and no less than just this. The old pond in its watery stillness, the kerplunk of the frog, the gradual return of the stillness. In effect, he's putting a frame around the moment, and what the frame does is enable us to see not just something about the moment, but the moment itself in all its ineffable ordinariness and particularity. The chances are that if we had been passing by when the frog jumped, we wouldn't have noticed a thing, or noticing it wouldn't have given it a second thought. 
but the frame sets it off from everything else that distracts us. That is the nature and purpose of frames. The frame does not change the moment, but it changes our way of perceiving the moment. It makes us notice the moment. And that is what Basho wants above all else. It is what literature in general wants above all else, too. In a letter to a friend, Emily Dickinson wrote that consider the lilies of the field was the only commandment she never broke. She could have done a lot worse. Consider the lilies. It is the sine qua non of art and religion both. Ooh, I really like that ending. What, what, is, what did you read after the haiku? What is that? Frederick Beekner. He was one of the great authors. Okay. So you put a frame around that moment on a walk with Harry in the preserve. 100%. That's what Sarah Goodyear does for the world. Tim Keller, uh, the pastor in New York City, wonderful advocate for the arts, he said that art is a language that brings meaning to people. Sometimes it's beyond words, and it's a way of drawing people to the truth. And C.S. Lewis called it baptizing your imagination when you allow art to draw you in to what's really true. And sometimes your brain can't understand it, but your spirit does. So you have this great love of art and artists. Where was that seed planted? And what piece of that gathered the artist's soul as you moved onward? As I think back on what makes me me with what I care about, It's kind of a beautiful story because it really starts out of a lack and a desperate thirst, a drought in my life. And I was adopted as a child, and I was placed in a very wonderful family. But in those days, adoption was very shameful. And I remember growing up and my mother not wanting me to tell anybody that I was adopted. And so... I think that the seeds of a little bit of shame of who I was entered in. Another thing that happened was when I was very young, we lived in Portland, Oregon. We really, as a family, immersed ourselves in nature. We would go to the beach and we would camp and hike uh, my whole life. And we've, we climbed mountains and skied. Um, But nature was always my best friend. In fact, I remember being very painfully shy when I was young. Uh, And Mrs. Peterson in the fifth grade yelling at me as I was trying to give a presentation because she couldn't hear me because I was too quiet. Well, that doesn't help a little kid, you know. So there were these things in me that... As I got older, high school, I became a Christian. I started dabbling in art, but mostly I cared about nature. Uh, We had been to Africa. I wanted to be a zoologist or an oceanographer or have a cattle ranch, anything about nature. For some reason, I ended up in Dallas at college, and I started studying studio art and art history and business. And... So I had these sides of me 
art and as a Christian, but the two didn't go together. They were two separate worlds. In those days, there were very few voices joining art and faith together. And as, as I got older, I became a salesperson for IBM for seven years and traveled. And it was very lonely because I just couldn't integrate who I was, again, with the art and faith. So fast forward, I get married. I'm in Colorado and wonderful life, but still can't integrate things. Well, I meet Marianne and other artists and, and, and all of a sudden it was just like this explosion of, wow, there are other people who want to talk about these things. So when I find a good thing to bring things together and it's a community of people, I'm overjoyed and want to share it with everybody. So I, I have a poem that I wanted to read today because okay. it sort of says a lot of what I believe. But I do feel that vulnerability of sharing it because it's not, you know, epic or anything, but it's, it's a piece of me. So You wrote this poem? Yeah, I wrote yeah. it. And it's a takeoff on C.S. Lewis and Tolkien and the Inklings, which, as most people know, is the group that they and their friends would meet at the pub, at the Eagle and Child pub in Oxford, and share their literary creations as they were being written. And it was a great source of encouragement to them. And from these works, they blessed the world. So the Inklings and what happened in that pub and in their rooms was the whole point that I believe if we bring people together in community, then lots of amazing things happen. So awesome. Here goes. This is called The Artists Inn. Five friends leave the forest road behind them and arrive at the outskirts of a darkening town. Pausing, they shift the weight of their packs and wipe the rain from their faces. A chill wind urges them forward through the muddy lane. Their trek began months ago. Their king had commissioned them on an all-important quest. Now they are midway along their journey. The deepening twilight and the promise of a warm hearth quickens their pace. They find themselves before stone steps of an old inn. A swinging sign above their heads reads, The Eagle and Child. Ah, yes, this is the one. A fire crackles inside. They shuffle off their steaming backpacks and ease into a corner. This village inn is quite unique. Loaded bookshelves fill the walls, and off to the side, a backlit passage carries a warm smell of dark roast and mingles with that of oil paints, turpentine. Nearby is a piano. Other wayfarers have also found niches in the pub, a way stop along the pilgrim path. Generous pints and steaming bowls are soon in front of each of the good friends. What will they do now? What will they say to one another? The five good friends push the empty bowls aside and begin to pull items from their packs. One, a handwritten music score with brownish-red smears on the edge. Another, a small worked canvas of sunlit ochres and cobalt and vermilion. Another, a dog-eared manuscript. Another, reading glasses, coins, and a pen. 
and in the last pack a pipe, matches, and a sacred, leather-bound book. Strangers lean in, curiosity drawing them. Someone begins to read aloud. They strain to hear, catch bits of conversation and laughter, snatches and evocative fragments, poetry and stories of nobility, death and glory, metaphors and icons of beauty, truth and goodness, angels, warriors, odysseys and adventures uphill to the wilds, ancient longings satisfied. Soon, everyone in the room partakes. Such is the magic of this place that no one is stranger to the other for long. All present find themselves within their partially written stories still being created, face to face, elevated in heart and mind. And then the music. It is much louder now inside, smokier, and the flickering candles are much shorter. They begin to dance on the tops of the tables. We too join the crowd, inklings all, gathering in anticipation. Sarah. So inspired by the Inklings, and that's something we've seen you carry out in your life. You were involved in art. I'm sorry. I'm still at the pub. Can you give me a minute? I literally am. Yeah, right. You know, that, uh, that type of reading flickers memories for all of us, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I need a minute. Isn't that what we kind of long for? A yeah. group that we can hang with like that? Mm-hmm. But there is such a longing right now for what you just so beautifully described. There's a longing and there's a separation right now of the gathering. Mm -hmm. And um, so you just took us as an artist to that special place. Thank you. I, I wrote the poem because for me just to tell you about what it feels like to be in this euphoric place of community. I'd, I, I'd rather describe it to you. Or even better yet, I've got lots of quotes and lots of art and images that I will show you because I f- have always felt inadequate to be a speaker. Thank you, Mrs. Peterson. <laughs> <laughs> because... Yeah, out of my weaknesses, I've done some things that actually might might help people. And one of the things that I know you guys know about me is I I have these notebooks. About halfway through my life, I realized I had holes in my life. I couldn't really grasp God's love and grace. And no matter what I did, I could not get it. And so I started putting quotes and pictures and scriptures in one place. That's where the notebook started. It was out of a desperation for me to get more out of life. So when you talk a notebook, you're talking, give us a visual. It's like a scrapbook. I have about 100 notebooks now. So this little pile of paper has now become 
a hundred notebooks and they're all themed and organized. But within each notebook, it has artwork, scripture, poetry, just snippets of quotes, whatever, literature. Anyway, it's a big conversation. And so I'll, I'll marry mm. things together. So it's just the height, depth, breadth of all of art goes into these notebooks. And I want to publish them in some form or fashion. And I also want to bring some young people in on the whole subject of the heritage that we have of beauty. What's something about you that would surprise us and surprise your family? Let's surprise everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I never get tired of telling people that I climbed the Grand Teton in Wyoming with my dad. (laughs) Wow. And your dad? My dad just passed away this past week. And it's, uh, it's, it's good because he had a long, beautiful life and he was ready to go. He had a stroke and, and life was just difficult. So, um, of course, death is never easy, but he climbed all the 14ers in Colorado. So I, I can always look at the mountains and remember my dad. He was a good man. Yeah. Long. Must have been. What's that one? The real dangerous one. Mm. Well, <laughs> dangerous for me anyway. Long's Peak, it's got the narrow yeah. area you have to walk yeah. through. I climbed Long's Peak too. Yeah. <laughs> I love to there brag about you go. <laughs> so that's the... My palms just got sweaty thinking yeah. <laughs> about that narrow area. I a fear never of elevators. had a fear of heights until I climbed the Grand Teton because there was one point, a 2,000 foot drop to my right Mm. that I still kind of, I have trouble on the jungle gym with my granddaughter because of it. Right. Sarah, I have a time machine right here sitting on my desk and we can press a button. You can go back in time. You can have coffee with any person in history. Who would it be? Okay. I'm not going to say Van Gogh, even though I would like to go back and give him a big hug and tell him in the most healing way, what he has meant to everyone, but I won't do that because I don't want to change anything about what he's given us. So I would like to go back to the pub with the Inklings and I'd like to, instead of having coffee with, with them, I'd like to have a pint, but I'd like to take with me everyone to go to the, the pub. So that's, this is, I'd like to go. this is the C.S. Lewis Tolkien, the Inklings, and I want everyone to come with me and experience what they had. This is a lightning round. First thing that pops in your head. Favorite restaurant in Denver? Union Bistro in Castle Rock. Favorite song or musician? Izzy, Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Oh, love that one. Least favorite activity in life? Getting organized. Trying to get organized. I love being organized. I just have trouble getting there describe yourself in one word artist when i see a piece of modern art and i i don't have a frame of reference of how to take it in what should i do sometimes it even looks like paint has just been splashed and i know there's a method to all of these things but i don't i don't have a frame of reference for what that is what do i do with that what you're asking is a huge question Knowing what I know now, I can easily walk through a gallery or a museum and ignore 
most of it and all of a sudden stop and be caught by one piece of art. And I feel very happy to be selfish and think what I want to think about that piece of art. And whether it's abstract, conceptual art, contemporary art of any sort, I will get very personal and decide what I want to decide about it. The big point is it's a, it's a personal thing. What, what works for you? So that helps me a lot because even though we've known each other forever, um, we haven't hung out in galleries a lot together. So, um, in Santa Fe, for instance, when I'm in, uh, one of the million galleries there, I always feel bad if I don't pause (laughs) I feel like I'm disrespecting the artist if I don't pause before every painting, but I'm looking at it sometimes going, okay, this one does nothing for me, but I must pause. So you're giving me permission to be a little bit more selfish. Usually your gut will tell you the truth about whether that painting is worth digging into. You have to kind of weed through things. Sarah, if, if I could ask you to introduce us to a great piece of art... Tell us about it, show it to us, and uh, and tell us what we should know about it. Yeah. And so we will post this. Go to justoverthefence.com, look for Sarah Goodyear, and we'll have this piece of art posted on the website there. And we'll try our very best to describe it. Uh, yes. This painting that I'd like to present to everyone It's called Ruby Green Singing. It's a painting by James Chapin. It's an oil painting uh, that he did in 1928, and it's a very simple portrait of her. I came across this image in a book, and I just knew I liked it. So I, I actually cut it out of the book and kept it in one of my notebooks. And so it's, I've been sitting with, with it for quite a while. I actually thought this was a picture of Mahalia Jackson um, because in one of the books, they, there was a description of Mahalia with Ruby Green's portrait as well. So who is Ruby Green? This portrait is hanging in the Norton Museum of Art in Florida. People stop in their tracks to look at this picture there's something mesmerizing about it to describe what is mesmerizing about it is is a, is difficult but i'll try she stands alone bathed in a sunlit glow her eyes lifted heavenward her hands gently clasped in front of her pink satin dress she's singing a song to god it's her face that that glows she's looking at something and you, you're drawn in to the dignity and grace that's there. Her singing career spanned six decades. She wasn't a major star, but she certainly intersected with some of the century's most important cultural eras and personalities, the Harlem Renaissance and great black choirs of the 20s. And that is where this artist, James Chapin, discovered her. He saw her singing in a church and fell in love with the music and her, and so he asked to paint her portrait. She was 19 years old. Then she also shared a stage with Leontine Price, James Earl Jones, William Warfield, Lena Horne, 
and Broadway legends Alfred Lunt and Lynn Fontaine. She also acted with Maya Angelou, which is near and dear to my heart. She had been she was born in 1909 in Savannah, Georgia. So what goes with her painting for me is a poem and it's called The Walk. And Rainer Maria Rilke, I know this is a little bit of a, a whiplash to, to all of a sudden jump over to to a German poet, but this is what I do. So sorry about that. Bring it. <laughs> Bring it on. When you look at Ruby Green's portrait, she's looking at something far off. I want to see what she's looking at. That's what I keep yeah. thinking. What, what is she looking, looking at? at? So this poem goes with what is she seeing far off? All right, here it is, the walk. My eyes already touch the sunny hill, going far ahead of the road I have begun. So we are grasped by what we cannot grasp. It has its inner light, even from a distance, and changes us, even if we do not reach it, into something else, which, hardly sensing it, we already are. A gesture waves us on, answering our own wave. But what we feel is the wind in our faces. And I will also add one more small thing to this Isaiah thirty-three seventeen. Your eyes will see the king in his beauty. They will see the land that is very far off. I believe that's what Ruby Green saw, is her king. Mm. And it transformed her. Yeah. I guess I just want to drive home the importance of art and the importance, the healing and the redemptive quality of art. Um, And maybe we can't put it into words, but um, I just want to embrace you Mm -hmm. in your role that you've had in our lives and that you've touched in many, many lives along your journey and your path around the globe. So I just want to thank you for that. The nihilism that we see is not the answer. I mean, I just want to feed people with this beauty and abundance that you're talking about. You know, I, I look at my life and back to adopted and ashamed and can't think straight, can't, you know, can't speak, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, I have found the party, the exuberance, the, the, the answer. So Sarah, what would you like to throw out just over the fence? I want everyone to know that there's a whole lot more out there, a fullness in life, a a beauty, a sublime, epic, numinous, glorious beauty. And it's in God. And I really want people to know the the fullness they can have, Mm -hmm. the beauty and the love. Yep. Beautiful. Well, Sarah... We want to thank you for joining (laughs) us today. Thank you you very much. And go for it. Sarah, thank you, yeah, for coming. I'll echo that. And I'll also just say thanks for including us in your world. These art 
meetups and just your art, the world of art that you're involved in. Thank you for including us because it's been a huge encouragement to me, to Harry, mm-hmm. and in our lives. We're thankful to know you and Drew and your family. Mm-hmm. We love you all. Thank you. And thank you, too. And one of these days, you guys are going to be the subjects of your own podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Moving right along now. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll say this. I felt like we could have just kind of gone on there with Sarah. I'm sorry. I was sneaking another bite of this cake. Well, it's been bless a long you, afternoon. <laughs> bless you for your willpower to wait until the end here to finish I your cake. I know. I know. It was hard. But, you know, a mouthful of cake doesn't... Bode well on a podcast. Doesn't bode well. He no. started this afternoon with a surprise from our friend Chris. And now... Yeah. <laughs> and I have cake. I feel like this mm-hmm. is a party. We're having a party today yeah. on our fifth episode. Right. But, wow, yeah. Sarah. And each time we do this, we just open up a new window in our own view of our friends of of their depth as she spoke of the depth and the width and the height and um, each one of us has it it's just ask the questions yeah thank you sarah hey and thank you speaking of the cake thank you again keith she's providing treats for our guests each month and uh, slid us a little extra cake she did ube cake right you keep saying a little it's a lot (laughs) well it might be a little soon yeah you can find keith on facebook at it's me keith yes harry what else can i say i just um i'm so encouraged right now just i feel joyful Mm -hmm. i feel full of life i feel like getting outside and enjoying nature do you yeah should we tell them who's coming up next month well we'll be here we'll be here and and we also like the drum rolls next, today. Next month, John Macy. John Macy. Country music, steel guitarist. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, one of the best. Longtime uh, recording studio here in Denver. He moved to Colorado, I believe it was in the 70s, to join Michael Martin Murphy's band. And he is filled with stories. It's yeah. going to be fun. Yeah. I, uh, it was three years ago we were at the Fox Theater. Right. There's a very short list of our friends who get a shout out from the stage from the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. And uh, John Macy makes up that list. Yes, he does. (laughs) There you go. Short and end of list. Right. Well, Harry. Yes, um, Maddie. Enjoy that cake. The rest of that cake. Are we done so I can eat? Okay. Okay. Go for it. Yay. Okay. We'll see you next month. Just over the fence. Make it a great month. (laughs) 